Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming today from the KNVBC studios at the North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join me for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I hope you're having a great day today, and I trust that you've been walking in the light, like the old song says, and spending time with your Savior, and hopefully today you've already prayed, you've already read your Bible, and you've already endeavored to give the gospel to someone if you've been out and about today. Now, we've been studying together in 1 John, and we're in 1 John chapter 3, and that is where we will be today as well. 1 John chapter 3, and this will be our fourth study in this third chapter. If you have missed any previous Bible studies, then you can go find us wherever it is you find your podcast. You can find us on uh, the Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever. Just type in Striving for Revival, then hit subscribe, and that gives you access to all these archived Bible studies. If you're just joining us for the first time, then we've been going uh, verse by verse basically through the entire New Testament. And so there's a lot of uh, content and a lot of ground that you can cover, and that will enable you to listen. And you can, as I say, binge listen, I guess, if you want to, and catch up. and uh, Or you can go back and re-listen to one that you heard, but you just want to maybe take notes, and that will enable you to pause pause and rewind and just listen to it at your leisure and at your own pace. Today we're in 1 John 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 7, and we'll read down through verse number 10 probably is where we'll uh, wrap up for today. John is dealing with this subject of righteousness and sin, and he makes the statement that uh, those who uh, abide in the Lord sinneth not, they don't sin, and whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. And we talked about this last broadcast. He's not talking about if you sin today, it means you're not saved. We understand that we're all sinners saved by grace, and every day we fall short of the glory of God. But he's talking about that one who habitually lives in darkness, that one who habitually lives in sin and wickedness. They habitually transgress the law. He said that's an obvious character trait of a lost man. A Christian, it ought to be a family trait exemplified in our life that we do righteously. We're made righteous positionally in Jesus Christ, but we ought to be practicing righteousness every single day that we live in this world. So John is on that uh, road, if you will, righteousness and sin, and those two forces that are at work in the believer's life, but also those two forces that are at work in the world, and they're separate as night and day, or oil and water, and they distinguish the redeemed from the reprobate. All right, uh, let's look at verse 7 together. It says, little children. That's a phrase John uses often. John speaks to these. He's known as John the Beloved, and here we see that uh, loving spirit coming out of John, a fatherly love for these Christians. He looks on them with tenderness. He looks on them with care. He looks on them with a desire to see them grow in grace because he is their spiritual, quote-unquote, father. He has mentored them. He has discipled them. Maybe he won them to the Lord, and so he loves them. By the way, that's a pastor's heart. I believe a pastor 
ought to look on the people that God puts under his watch care as a father would look over his children. He ought to have a love for them, just like a shepherd over his sheep. And we ought to have that tenderness, that compassion toward the people that we serve. You ought not be hateful. You ought not cut, and you ought not talk bad and be bitter. I mean, just trash the people that God has blessed you to serve. You ought to learn to love them. Now, you might not like them all, but you ought to love them all. Say amen right there. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So he's saying, don't let anyone deceive you. He said, little children, he said, think about it. The, the thing that reveals the child of God, I mean, if you're abiding in him, if you're saved, if he abides in you, righteousness should be revealed in your life. So it's sort of like the fruit on the branch can tell you what kind of tree it is. When there's a pear, you don't think it's an apple tree. When you see the apple, you don't suspect it's a pear tree. By their fruit, you know them. The same thing's true in the Christian life. Uh, righteousness should be hanging on the branch of the Christian life. When you're rooted in Christ, righteousness should be produced, all right? So he said, don't let any man deceive you. Don't let any man pull the wool over your eyes. He's talking about here uh, righteousness in, in the extent of the result of salvation. He's not talking about our positional righteousness. No man can see that. That's that's a God thing. God sees we're made righteous in Christ, his imputed righteousness. He's wrapped us in his righteousness positionally. But there ought to be some sort of an exemplified righteousness in our everyday life. We ought to live a Christian life, right? All right? So righteousness is a result of salvation. Righteousness is a fruit of being born again. And righteousness ought to be displayed in the life of a Christian. In verse number 8, here's what he says. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Now that word committeth, we talked about back in verse 4 when we studied that. It's talking about a habitual practice, an ongoing, never repenting, no conviction, just full throttle, whole hog, whatever other term you want to use, out in sin all the time. That person is not saved, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. The devil, the devil is the original sinner. The devil is the one who rebelled in heaven, was cast out, Lucifer cast down, and that's why we have a place called hell. It was made and prepared for the devil and his angels. He's a rebel. That's what he is. That's why you got to be careful that you don't become a rebel. When you're a rebel, you're most like the devil. Say amen right there. And uh, the Lucifer rebelled. He is the original, quote-unquote, sinner. We always say it started with Adam and Eve. That's not true. It started with Lucifer. He rebelled against God right? Now, sin entered the world because of, and death entered the world because of sin, right? And that happened when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, but Lucifer sinned. He sinned since the beginning. And then the verse says, for this purpose, this is why the Son of God was manifested. He was manifested because of sin, what necessitated Jesus leaving heaven for earth and wrapping his glory in humanity and going to a cross and shedding his blood and dying in agony for our sin? It was sin. That's what it is. That's why he came. That's why he was born in Bethlehem. That's why he walked the streets of Judea. Uh, I mean, that's why he walked there in the graveyard of Bethany and healed the lame and raised the dead and, and, and cured the sick. That's why Jesus did what he did. That's why Jesus laid down his life on an old rugged tree, stretched out hands 
hands and laid down his feet and let them drive nails through him. He who was God submitted himself to the pain of Calvary, though he didn't have to. He could have, the song said he could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't need a single angel. He's God. He could have just got up and walked out if he wanted to, but he hung there. He chose to. He vicariously suffered. He suffered in our place. Why? He was manifested for that reason, the reason he did it. He came that he might, here it is, the last of the verse, that he might destroy, what a great word, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Think about it. What a great statement. Only Jesus can deliver because only Jesus could destroy. Only Jesus could destroy the chain. Only Jesus could destroy the bars. Only Jesus could take away the reproach. Only Jesus could remove the condemnation. And that's why he was manifested. That's why he stepped on the scene. That's why he came to earth, so that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. Only Jesus can deliver. Only Jesus can set free. Only Jesus can settle the sin situation. Thank God. He came as a great physician to heal them who are sick in sin. He came as a search party looking for those lost in iniquity. And that's what he did. He he came, he sought, and he saved those that were lost. He died for sin. He died for the sins of the world. John the Baptist called it out. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He took away sin's penalty. He took away sin's pain. He took away sin's punishment. Thank God. He took away sin's pressure. He took away all of those attributes, all of the problems that come with sin. When he died at Calvary, it's buried. It's gone. If you accept Christ as your Savior, the sin question is answered in Christ. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, maybe we won't be able to get to verse number 9 and 10 this broadcast after all. I want to give them their due, and I want to give them time. And so maybe we'll have to get on that next broadcast. But what a great couple of verses we've read today. And let's take this home with us and apply it to our life. If you are saved, righteousness ought to be revealed in your life. Righteousness ought to be the fruit that hangs on the branch of your existence. Your testimony ought not be a terrible testimony wrapped in sin, but a tremendous testimony wrapped in things that would point people to the fact you were born again and saved. Righteousness ought to be exemplified. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, all right? He that committeth sin is of the devil. That's our time for today. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.